Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So, this is the beginning of our series on becoming. <clears throat> Fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> <clears throat> this is John's introduction to the series. <clears throat> There is much confusion as to the meaning of becoming. And due to this confusion, great license is taken in interpreting what is meant by becoming as taught by the Buddha. This confusion and the following misapplication of the Dharma can be avoided by simply looking at the Buddha's own words from the following three suttas. Depending on the context, Becoming can refer to immediately giving birth to another moment rooted in ignorance, giving rise to further confusion, deluded thinking and suffering, giving rise to further becoming a self prone to suffering. In the context of remaining ignorant and future becoming, becoming refers to the becoming that would give rise to a future birth, lacking present self-identification but continuing the experience of suffering rooted in ignorance. Continuing the impersonal experience of suffering does not establish a permanent self. Continuity obscures impermanence, but does not negate impermanence. In the overall context of impermanence and the arising and passing away of all phenomena, Becoming and non-becoming refers to the arising, becoming, and passing away, non-becoming, of stress. Consciousness rooted in ignorance and influenced by the five physical senses can only reinforce deluded wrong views unless the Eightfold Path is developed to interrupt the ongoing process of becoming. It is for precisely this reason that the Buddha taught an Eightfold Path. Consciousness rooted in ignorance conditioned thinking in such a way that continually either ignores or embraces suffering as described by the, in the Loka Sutta. The world is aflame, rooted in ignorance, the world is afflicted by sensory contact and perceives and perceive suffering as self. Rooted in ignorance, it misunderstands self and becomes anything other than self. Twelve observable causative links of, of dependent origination are this. <clears throat> From ignorance, as a requisite condition, comes fabrications. When this is, that is. From fabrications, as a requisite condition, comes consciousness. 
from consciousness as a requisite condition comes name and form. From name and form as a requisite condition comes the sixth sense base. From the sixth sense base as a requisite condition comes contact. From contact as a requisite condition comes feeling. From feeling as a requisite condition comes craving. From craving as a requisite condition comes clinging and maintaining. And from clinging and maintaining as a requisite condition comes becoming. And then from becoming as a requisite condition comes birth. And from birth as a requisite condition comes sickness, aging, death, sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair. Such is the origination of the entire mass of confusion, deluded thinking, and suffering. <laughs> That's enough to get your head to explode. That's up there, too. Bhavasutta. The Buddha's words. Even during the Buddhist time, there was confusion regarding the meaning of becoming. Sorry, these are John's words. Here, Ananda, the Buddha's cousin and chief attendant, asked for clarity. On one occasion, Ananda went to, to the Buddha, bowed and sat to one side. He was unsure of the meaning of becoming, and so he asked the Buddha, Becoming, becoming, to what extent is there becoming? Ananda, if there were no karma ripening within the feeling property, would the feeling property be noticed? No wise teacher. In this way, karma is the field, consciousness the seed, and craving the moisture. The consciousness of human beings rooted in ignorance and bound by craving is established in wrong view. Established in wrong view, renewed becoming is produced. If there is no karma ripening in the form property, would the form property be noticed? No, wise teacher. In this way, karma is the field, consciousness the seed, and craving the moisture. The consciousness of human beings rooted in ignorance and bound by craving is established in wrong view. Established in wrong view, renewed becoming is produced. If there is no karma ripening in the formless property, would the formless property be noticed? No wise teacher. <coughs> 
In this way, karma is the field, consciousness the seat, and craving the moisture. The consciousness of human beings rooted in ignorance and bound by craving is established in wrong view. Established in wrong view, renewed becoming is produced. That's the end of the sutta. Exploding heads all over the place. <laughs> So, Purananda, he's heard the Buddha use this word becoming, bhava, many times. Every time he gets into explaining dependent origination, it comes up. And he just says, bhava, they're becoming. Craving and clinging leads to becoming, and becoming leads to birth, and that leads to the old rigmarole of suffering. <clears throat> and he never gives a definition, and he's very cryptic about it. So, you know, and and Anand was not was no dummy. You know, he's and he'd been with the Buddha for quite a long time already. Um, this is in the middle period of the Buddhist uh, teaching uh, because Ananda didn't get to be his chief attendant until 10-15 years into his dispensation. I'm guessing at this, but it's, it's a ways in. So we're, we're in a... In a um, the Buddhist teaching method is, is set. Is, is matured already and he's, he's looked at the the reaction from his from the teaching people that he's teaching and he's been fine-tuning this and, but here, here we are and he still just says become so Ananda goes to the Buddha and says what's with this Baba I don't get it And instead of giving a clear definition of an, an essential step in dependent origination, of the, the, um, the process that the mind goes through from ignorance to suffering, it, this is, is his um, his insight in human psychology. There's one step where, you know, doesn't say anything. So, what's the Buddha do? He says, Buddha's word, Ananda. If there were no karma ripening in the feeling property, would the feeling property be noticed? And you see here again, he doesn't answer it directly. So, let's turn this question to a statement. We notice 
<clears throat> we identify with feelings when they are provoked by karma, the present unfolding of past intentional actions. That's the definition of karma that we're working with here. So, he still hasn't answered the question. Please define bhava. But what he did instead was to show Ananda how and where this becoming arises. What its origination is dependent on. words. In this way, karma is the field, consciousness is the seed, and craving the moisture. So this phenomena of becoming is happening in the day-to-day expression of karma, the rolling wheel of karma. We're going from past actions that provoke something in our mind that then set up our mind so that we are running into the same thing again and we are still doing, we're still stuck in this ignorance that started it. We're creating our own problems. We're getting crushed into the mud by the wheel of karma. <laughs> the current experience conditioned by past intentional actions, conditioned by past mindfulness, or the lack thereof, conditioned by as they say in China, turtles all the way down. <laughs> <clears throat> and what feeds, <clears throat> what drives, what fuels this becoming, he says here, it's craving. The origination of becoming is dependent on craving and clinging. And the third thing he says here, and consciousness is the seed. So becoming is an outgrowth of our ongoing thinking when it's based on ignorance. So that's that one sentence kind of teased apart. Becoming happens on the karmic wheel. It is fueled by craving and it is an outgrowth of ongoing thinking.
the Buddha's words. <clears throat> the consciousness of human beings rooted in ignorance and bound by craving is established in wrong view. Established in wrong view, renewed becoming is produced. Take note of that. So he is using that word becoming, that word bhava, as a noun. This is important when we go through the rest of becoming. It's a phenomenon. It's something that happens. So, becoming is something that arises in consciousness, ongoing thinking, as a direct result of clinging and craving. Ultimately, it is, of course, the result of ignorance or wrong view. Because that's the arc of dependent origination. We're going from ignorance to suffering. And back again. Also a wheel. <coughs> All conditioned things arise out of ignorance and lead to suffering, to discontent. And the only other thing that the Buddha says about becoming is that there are three kinds. In the backwards flow of dependent origination, he says, <clears throat> there are three kinds of, sen of becoming. There is sensual becoming, there is form becoming, and then there is formless becoming. That's as close as the Buddha ever gets to Define what this is. No. What are they again? Can you read them again? Sensual becoming, Sensual. form becoming, and form formless, formless becoming. Okay. So if you're confused now, <laughs> you're in good company. Because I don't know what's confused, a lot of other people are confused. I am confused. <laughs> <clears throat> so, in a lot of suttas, um, the ending is, you know, and those present were gratified and happy. <laughs> Not this one. It ends pretty suddenly. So, Adam that gathered the leftover bits of his exploded head off the floor, and keeping the Buddha, hopefully, to his right, exited the room. <laughs> So, and this for me is still an, an ongoing thing. You know, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. You know, I dug into it again for the last week. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that um, struck me is that in these suttas we're using the English word becoming in two 
very different ways. And remember, these are translations of teachings in Pali. For thousands of years, the actual teaching of the suttas has been done in that language. All over Sri Lanka, all over India, all over <coughs> Malaysia, Burma, Thailand. It wasn't taught in the local language, it was taught in Pali. And now we are, we are doing this in English. Or you know, for some other people, German or French, you know, I haven't, uh, I can't even begin to, in my, my own mother tongue of Dutch, I couldn't begin to talk about this mm. because my whole knowledge is in English. Um, but here with Becoming, with Bhava, we're running into a little issue. Most of the time we'll use becoming as a common verb. As Father Panducci would say, I want to become the Pope. <laughs> That's becoming, you know, you verb subject. Subject, right? Subject. Yeah, subject of the verb. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. I'm, my knowledge there is kind of shaky. Um, and the second is that translation of the Pali word bhava. The noun becoming. You look it up in the dictionary, it's a noun. It's male. And the way the Buddha uses it here, renewed becoming is produced. This is a noun. No subject. In the Buddhist words, the Arahant is one who has abandoned all becoming. So this, this is for me the, the, the big confusion on, you know, on becoming and reading through these suttas. In, in coming up Loka Sutta, there is a sentence where in one sentence we have becoming as used in common English. We'll call it Perducci's becoming. And we have Baba. In one sentence. Very confusing. So let me give you my take on becoming Bhava, <coughs> the noun. And I'll go back to that description that the Buddha gives as to how this happens. When we're leading our ordinary lives, 
unaware of stress, the origination of stress, this cessation of stress, and the Eightfold Path leading to cessation of stress. Life of ignorance. Our minds are continually on the move. Fearing the future, relishing the past, wanting to be somewhere else, not wanting to be who we think we are. Never content with the here and now. Always diverting our attention to some other time, some other place, form, personality, self. This is fueled by our delights and our aversions, bounced around on the wheel of karma, and firmly established in wrong view. Our minds are in constant are in a constant state of becoming. Anywhere, anytime, anyhow. We are just not content with the here and now. Seeing bhava becoming this way makes it clear to me that Siddhartha had no definition to give to Anand because this was at that time a radical concept of the working of the human mind. And in the um, in the Nagara Sutta, we get some idea of, of how that insight formed in the Buddha's mind. And this was completely unheard of at the time. There were just no words for it. So he picked one. <coughs> you know, he, the, the root is of, of it is, um, you know, points to becoming points to a movement it points to being as well um, this is really tricky stuff because uh, it's one of the deep roots of um, of the um, the Sanskrit and Pali language so bhava is just a label And you have to come to your own understanding. And Ananda had to come to his own understanding of it. Because there was only so much you could say about it. Mm -hmm. Until you observed it in your own mind. That's all you have to go by. So, my friends, that's all that I have. (laughs) Uh, and it's an for me it's an ongoing process still Um, I'm still working out what those three kinds of becoming are oh yeah sensual or sensuality becoming you know becoming that comes from what comes into our senses form becoming formless becoming um, you know, John gives some hints there too, but um, that hasn't 
settle firmly in my mind either. I haven't teased those things apart either. Um, and, and, you know, this is my understanding. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to work it out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. We have any unexploded heads left in the Zoom room? Uh, John, tell me, what do you think? Was that directed at me? No, this was at John. There's two Johns. There's two Johns. Oh, there's John. Oh, there he is. You're muted, John. You're on mute. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Rob. Um, you mentioned a few times that the Buddha didn't go into long explanations about his coming. Um, and it's, it's because every sutta he ever taught is related to becoming. And related to the context of this sixth class study, study of karma, rebirth, and intentional becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, becoming has the same definition as karma. Karma is the present moment unfolding of past intentional acts moderated by our present level of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You can say the same thing about becoming. Becoming is the present moment unfolding of past intentional acts moderated by our present level of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. What that means is what I'm holding in mind will determine my karma of this moment. And again, we'll learn more about karma as we continue the series. It is in this moment, and it relates to what you said about uh, an arahant that ceased becoming, in the context of the Buddha's Dhamma, it is understood that what we're we're hoping to end is bring to cessation ignorance. So in the arahant, there is no more further becoming ignorant. They've achieved that state where they're no longer feeding their own conditioned mind. So everything the Buddha taught was in relation to what am I becoming in this moment? It's related to wise restraint. And so in this moment, when I understand what becoming means, getting into the the three forms of becoming, sensual becoming, form becoming, and formless becoming, those speak directly to the utter simplicity of the Dhamma of what we're doing to ourselves. So we know that it is sensuality, the constant need for craving after sensual fulfillment, that causes us to become further ignorant. When we are locked into this form is me, when we're locked into this, it really means nama rupa, self-identification yeah. with physical objects arising and passing away, then I can only become further ignorant, the second form of becoming. Formless becoming is that, is that magical or mystical or imaginary way that we engage in our lives and in our most of us in our spiritual practice. That is also rooted in ignorance, so we'll, we'll, we'll continue further becoming ignorant. When we recognize and abandon the three forms of becoming ignorant, now we can become awakened. So in that way, the Buddha, um, the word becoming is, is uh, an action word. It, it always implies you're going somewhere. I'm, 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 becoming, uh, I'm becoming a meditation practitioner, I'm becoming a doctor, I'm becoming a farmer's market. We're always becoming something, always. And that 
experience in this moment as my life unfolds. So then the simple and direct choice is, what am I going to become in this moment? Because that's what that's the, the only meaning of becoming everything to apply to the Buddha's power. That's why he didn't give a lot of explanation because it was understood that we in this practice are developing understanding of four noble truths so that we can become awakened. That's all that we're concerned about. So the meaning of becoming is an action word, much like the word karma. And it's interesting that karma means action as well. So in the Buddhist Dhamma, we should always be mindful of what am I becoming in this moment. And that is framed by what I'm holding in mind. Because whatever I'm holding in mind will determine my life experience, will determine where I'm, where I'm going in this moment, what will I become in the next moment. And, and just to get a little bit further ahead in the study, Bob, mm -hmm. I know you didn't get into this yet. Becoming also points to the Buddhist teaching on rebirth. The Buddha never taught about manipulating our present life so that we can have a, a more favorable non-physical birth in some other plane or a future physical birth. What the related birth to is directed to, what the related becoming to is directed to birth. As far as the Buddha is concerned, as far as we're concerned as Dhamma practitioners, birth and rebirth relates directly to what am I becoming in this moment. Because in that way, I can give birth to another moment Inclined towards awakening, or give birth to another moment in the kingdom. And those are the only two choices that we have as Dalai practitioners ever. And that's a fortunate thing. It's not complicated. We don't have to get lost in the details. We just have to recognize what is the quality of my mind in this moment. And what do I intend to become? Not what anybody else intends, not what your, your meditation teacher might intend. What do I intend to become in this moment? And in this moment, I intend to become awakening. So with that intention in mind, I can recognize those things that take me out of this present moment and so further becoming ignorant. And those things that are motivating me towards continued ignorance are simply classified as harm. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Mary. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, these uh, sutras were very formative in the beginning of my uh, practice um, in terms of um, like subtle, I don't know if the right word is awakenings, but awareness, let's say awareness of what we were actually talking about um, and recognizing um, some things that I value, like say the fire in my belly, that sensation of um, um, I, that I later learned to recognize as clinging and craving in the realm of becoming and really had to take a look at and, you know, and say, you know, I've been spending an awful lot of time, like the rest of the world, not being too hard on myself, but becoming, yep. becoming a family, becoming, um, you know, a mother, a this, a that, and really working hard at it, <laughs> yeah. and creating my own suffering because of it. And the permission, these are my words, the permission not to become, the permission to relax and be, and just be, and not be planning the future all the time, and not be 
worrying about the future or worrying about my children getting injured or kidnapped or whatever it is that was on my mind at that time. And that might sound a little extreme, but those are things you think about. And um, giving myself permission to step back from all of that and just be was really powerful and life-changing and um, affirming that the middle way is is the way and that it all uh you know that in every moment you know uh, i think i used this analogy once before in every moment like let's say you're stepping out of an elevator you can go left you can go right and that's as simple as it is that what is in your mind at that time to help you make that decision to go left or right and is it the path and if it's right. the path and you're thinking and your behavior is aligned with the path and you're mindful of it, you know, you'll you'll go the right way. Or you you'll go the wrong way, but you'll notice it and you'll get back on the path. So right. I find the simplicity of this as really a guidebook uh for living and it just had a big impact on me when I first heard it and again today. So thank you for your teaching well. Thank you. Uh, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Um, I can certainly empathize with Ananda. I even have sympathy for Ananda. <laughs> um, I, I think I followed some of the same uh, investigation that you did, Ram. I, I, uh, I was puzzled by the contextual nature of the word and did a little research and discovered that uh, unwritten languages are very contextual. Right. Uh, So much of that meaning that might have been contained in those original teachings, we have to kind of guess and ferret out. Modern modern linguistics and psychology would tell you that over ninety percent of a communication is nonverbal. So we're only getting a tiny slice when we look at that particular word. And uh, it, you know, I'm still much at the intellectual stage in a lot of this, but I think what I'm beginning to feel is that the more you try to grasp the concept of becoming intellectually, the more counterproductive it is. <laughs> yes. That <clears throat> in the Loka Sutta, there's a line, uh, um, knowing this, the arising and passing away from right view, craving for becoming and non-becoming is abandoned. Mm-hmm. It, yep. it feels at this point that the more you try to grasp it and control the concept, the more you create, you're more you're reinforcing your uh, um, yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the pitfall in in getting really analytical. Um, you know, I do it because I, you know, I'm I'm confused. So this is my my gut reaction to to confusion. Is okay. What, what does it say? What, what is it being said? What's not being said here? Um, and yeah. just as an effort to to um, 
okay, how do I apply this? You know, because that's in the end, that's what, what matters. How do I apply this? Yeah, grasping it is almost a self-defeating strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and everything that the Buddha taught, if it's seen in the context of dependent origination and four noble truths, then we know how to apply these words. Because again, becoming could you could apply it in infinite ways. You can look at the roots of the word. You can look at becoming in all different languages, and right. none of that has any relation to dependent origination and four noble truths. So right. always in the context of what we're teaching, mm. and that helps keep us focused. You know, this is. We're, again, we're not trying to find, we're not, we're not engaged in a scholarly uh, pursuit of no. the application of the word becoming. We're simply applying what the word becoming means that everybody understands. Everybody knows what becoming means as, it, as an English word, and we apply it to the Buddhist Dhamma in that way, in, in, in the context of dependent origination and four noble truths. And then through that way, we'll, then you'll, you'll become, the, you'll become uh, understanding of what this means. But if we start looking outside of it, as soon as we start looking outside of the dependent origination of four noble truths, now we're engaged in an intellectual pursuit, uh, a linguistic intellectual pursuit that has nothing to do with the Dhamma. It might be interesting, and it might be useful, you know, in a, uh, a, a university level or something, but it has no value in my Dhamma practice. So yeah. Dependent origination of four noble truths is a concept that we practice. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I finally, you know, I had to buckle down and, and look at the text and say, okay, you know, what is, you know, where, where is this pointing at? Um, and, you know, and, and as I said, it, it's, it's, it's ongoing, it has been ongoing for a while, and we'll, we'll keep at it. Thank you. Alex. Part of the path of becoming awakened. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Ron. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, thank you for this. Uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've got to pick up pieces of my brain from the floor, like you say. I like that. <laughs> I like that image because it's definitely happening to me. But um, it's helped me understand the um, becoming part of dependent origination. Like I'm, I'm definitely taking things step by step at the moment, and like mm -hmm. it's really nice to just focus on that part of it and try and understand that. Mm -hmm. um, and again. What still gets me is the use of metaphor with the Buddha and his time yeah. and how how he repeats this karma is the field, consciousness the seed, and craving the moisture. And then I I guess I'm quite a visual person, so I try to use that and understand what he's trying to say because he repeats it again and again mm -hmm. so that there's a reason why he's using it. And my little summary of that was Karma, like a field, is quite vast and hard to maintain. Um, conscious, consciousness is the seed, and that's solid, and but can grow. And then, if craving is moisture, it's the one fluid part of this that can change. Um, and that's kind of what I got from the metaphor: is that craving is the one. If, if that's the moisture, that's the that's the part that we can that, that's fluid, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so that helped me grasp this, and mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy it. When I consider the time, I really enjoy the Buddha's metaphors. Yeah, um, and it shows you a little bit of the uh, the um, the importance of understanding impermanence here as well. 
Consciousness births a new moment, right? Like a new opportunity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're born again in every moment, and you have a choice mm -hmm. to either be in ignorance or not, right? Yeah. There's that too. And then looking at this right here as you're talking, it appears, and this might be obvious, that the Buddha just reverse engineered stress, right, and suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And when he talks about um, dependent origination, he goes both ways. He says, yeah. You know, we're starting being ignorant, and this leads to suffering. So, if we can start from the other side, and then reverse engineer it, and say, yeah. if, we, if we turn this off, hey, we don't have any more suffering. So, like, at the end of this awakening, if consciousness is birth, and you have wrong view, you suffer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? That's how I it think. feels. Yeah. And the idea of the we watched a TV show last night, and you never really see this in our media or in entertainment. This TV show, the woman's internal voice was constantly being audible. You mm -hmm. could constantly hear her mm -hmm. thoughts. Right. Right? And her life was a reflection of the thoughts that she had. Mm -hmm. She had an eating disorder. Her marriage was not doing well. Mm -hmm. She was not happy in her life. She was trying to make things happen, you know, to... Crave. She was craving independence. She was craving, but the whole time she's judging everybody she sees. And I thought, like, that's never really shown. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a new concept because in our life we don't see that, and in our media or anything around, you know, unless we come to a place like this. And in meditation, you get yeah. to see it. You yeah. do get to see it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the only which, time. Which is the one time that it's important to, mm -hmm. to see that. You know. Yep. You, 
But you wouldn't want to go around the world, you know, hearing other people's thoughts because you, you wouldn't last very long. No. Right. Uh, but this is why we spend a, a limited amount of time in, in meditation, you know, because you only can take in so much of your, mm. of your own ignorance at that point. That's right. But yep. taking it bite size, you have a, a chance to, to be mindful of those things and if they don't work for you, abandon it. That's great. But also when you talk about the quality of your mind in meditation, that's mm -hmm. really powerful because yeah. sometimes the thoughts that cross your mind are like benign and sometimes mm -hmm. they're negative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're Definitely. like, oh, so that looking at the quality. Yeah, because you, you can get mm -hmm. lost in the actual content of your yeah. thoughts, but remember what, what the quality of it is. Yeah. Like if it's worrying important. about your child being harmed. Yeah. yeah. If that's constantly going through, then the quality of your mind is worrying or exactly. fearing the future or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Ron. Um, I like I like what you said that you got to figure this is your this is on you to to really understand and that's a big piece that I got out of it is that <clears throat> um, we want to, you know, be a lot of times kind of this passive, um, Lay it on me, like explain it to me, like mm -hmm. make, you know, make me understand it, kind of an attitude towards um, a lot of, of many things in life. And, right. and this is like, no, you need to, you need to understand what becoming is for you. Because if we get into trying to, exp if I get into trying to explain <clears throat> it to you too much, <clears throat> You're going to get confused. You the experience, yeah. <laughs> you would have loved the uh, original explanation I was going to give based on Brownian motion. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized there weren't enough science geeks in the, in the room, so I let that one go. Um, the other piece that I pulled out was um, misidentifies the mind. I can't exactly remember the words, but it was the mind misidentifies suffering as self. Um, it's part of the Loka Sutta. Oh, um, yeah. uh, I don't have text on here. Uh, actually, well, misunderstanding of self would become anything other than self. Becoming anything other than well, self. So, suffering. If quote unquote I am suffering, then I that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? I don't know. Yeah, right. Uh -huh. um, and that, yeah, that also helped me to see that um, what becoming means. And again, I don't want to try to explain it too much, but it's, mm -hmm. it is the moving away from what is occurring. Mentally moving away from what's occurring, trying to yeah. mentally make this moment be different than it is, or better, 
or worse, or, or whatever. Whatever. That's uh, tending which toward. Be, that's tending toward becoming more ignorant. Which requires well, identification with what's happening. Right. But it all ends up in suffering. Right, and I have to identify with what's happening in order to then try to mentally make it different or better or whatever. Change, fix, solve. Right. <clears throat> but that's just one Bye. way. Yeah, but, but that's, that's just one way. Yeah. That's just tending toward becoming more ignorant. Mm -hmm. You can also choose to not do that and then in that moment tend toward tend toward becoming more awakened. Hmm. So you yeah. have a choice. That's actually Becky talking. <clears throat> Sorry, I just jumped in. So you have a choice in every moment. Yes. That's you know, in, in any step of, of dependent origination, you have the choice. But the interruption requires the eightfold path. The interruption mm -hmm. of becoming yes. Yes. requires requires the eightfold path. Eightfold path. And that exists. getting that exists at the point of contact. Right. Exactly. exactly. And that's where it's, it's it's interesting. The Buddha doesn't say in <coughs> follow my Dhamma. He, mm -hmm. In this sutta he doesn't talk about the solution. He says if it doesn't exist, but that's what he's talking about. He's talking about if you think about dependent origination, it's at that point of contact. And that's where Jim just said the interruption. And that's where Mary said the right or left choice. Mm -hmm. and that, that's why I don't bother with trying to nail down definitions, but I always plop my practice, well, where does that exist? And that exists at the point of contact. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, that's, that's the choice. That gets rid of a lot of needless analysis. And that's why you have to have such good concentration. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why we do it? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just looking at the chart. So the point of contact, like David was saying, um, so, I mean, that precedes independent origination, the feeling and the craving. That's where we can cut off this. Not like a, a dis well, I guess it is. You're saying choice, decision. Well, that's where our practice exists. That's where our jhana. That's where concentration. This is where we cut and that's where your mindfulness refines, and that's where you have restraint, mm -hmm. and that's where you have wisdom instead of ignorance. Mm -hmm. So that's where becoming is no longer. Becoming is no longer. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. That's, that's where you can cut off this moisture of craving mm -hmm. this field of karma and these past experiences resurfacing are they're always going to be there or resurface but if we can just cut off the well that sounds a little extreme but mm -hmm. you know, the moisture dissipates abandoning yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. abandoning is, is the yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, as as buddha says the arahant is the one who will abandon all becoming Yeah. Okay, it's making a little more sense now. Because mm -hmm. I was very confused yeah. before. <laughs> very overwhelmed. <clears throat> yeah. 
That's why the Buddha doesn't define it. He, right. I'm going to define it for you. It's, uh, it's not going to do you any good. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, this is where it's happening, <clears throat> so keep an eye out and abandon it. Wise restraint. Wise mm -hmm. restraint. Kevin. Yeah. It was really an amazing explanation. So, so deep. And um, it just, you know, really makes it so much clearer for me. And I, like you, I have always thought, well, just tell me what it means. And I'll go on from here. <laughs> and it's frustrating. But then, you know, when you look at it in the chain of dependent origination, it's it's just there. I mean, we're always becoming. We're you know, becoming older every second. We're becoming, mm. you know, hopefully wiser. We're becoming closer to our death. You know, it's it's it's, it's just there. And you know, when you say it's Bob or like a noun, it's just what we are. Anyway. Mm. So, and everybody's comments are just you know fill it so much mm -hmm. that it's just yeah. it becomes clearer and clearer. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. <clears throat> your your talk sparked such a great um, such great feedback that it it really um, things become became much clearer <laughs> for me. Um, somehow I always thought of becoming as as a negative thing, and now I realize <clears throat> that becoming is what we make it. it can either at that point of contact, like you said, we can choose, we can be cognizant enough to take whatever step the Eightfold Path may dictate at that moment or whatever one is appropriate in our mind at that moment, and then we can tend to become more awakened. Or we can just give in to the, you know, the rage or whatever is happening in us and wow. then tend to become more ignorant. Mm -hmm. and, and it's all, um, it's all, all of this is at point of contact and also during, really during meditation that we see what we're doing and what we can not what we can change, what we can, I don't know, we just see what our mind is doing to us and realize that we're really doing it to ourselves and we can turn off that, that spigot of, of, of clinging and craving. So, yeah, this, this is all um, a, nice, a nice big ball of a lesson. Very, you can take it apart and put it back together again. Uh -huh. Thank you, Ron. Very good. Very, 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 very uh, beautiful. Bouncy ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did you say? I said it's a bouncy ball. It's a bouncy ball. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> That's a lot of qualities. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for grappling with this as much as you did to make it, make it palatable. But I like the nebulousness of it. So. Uh -huh. Other than that, I'm just going to take noble silence. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your teaching, Ram. Uh, thanks for everybody's comments. <clears throat> I guess uh, 
I just got out of it is, uh, or what you're holding in mind is, you know, is what you're going to further become, I guess. And, uh, That's and um, yeah, and what Mary says, you know, when you're, when you're going to make the turn, which way are you going to go? Like, it depends on where your mind's at. And then where your mind's at is where your practice is. When you come to you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Wise restraint. Where you, has your concentration to let whatever else is in that's going to mm-hmm. contaminate your life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This, I, it is a tricky one, mm-hmm. like Alex said. Um, I had a moment thinking of all the this imagery, the field and the mm-hmm. moisture and the seed and all of these perceptions that are like your mind gets filled up with these perceptions of your world right of yourself Mm -hmm. of what becoming is of all these it's like this propensity for imagination that we all have and it fills up your experience Mm -hmm. but it's almost like you have to come back like who's observing that field or the seed or the moisture and it's this like point of origin that is totally neutral like a blank slate and Because there was a moment where I was like, well, how can you get away from any of this? Like, you just have to not have been born. <laughs> so, like, uh, no, not experience but, but you have the you have the choice at at again as, as they yes. say, at the point of contact. At yes. that point, you have the choice yes. to go this way or that way. Yeah, we're like at at our like most like inner essence, we are this like blank slate where you have every choice in mm-hmm. front of you, and it's just about not being influenced by the in the false perceptions that are around you in order to make the, the best decision at that moment or to be right. in the But it, it, <laughs> again it's 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 your decision. It's right. it's your life and, and the choice is yours here now. Um, and this is which is the really the biggest um, takeaway from from the Buddhist teachings is that it's all you, yeah. you know. <laughs> the problem is here. The solution is here too. Yeah. So. And that makes sense of why not to describe bhava because it's so personal, and for each person, it mm-hmm. could take on a totally different form. So you have to figure that out for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That sense of movement, you know. That's uh, where are we going? Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, folks, we've survived it. <laughs> We're the ending with uh, the Karaniya Medasuta. It's the how we practice. Take a moment to close your eyes. Become mindful of your breathing. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature, 
Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime body. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense and desires, is not born again. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.